it is what do I do now season two and this person is incredible I, I can't really give this person enough credit for really seeing my radio career from day one and I don't even know if they know that we I think we're gonna start there but before that the guest that I have on today is a in-demand forever booked and busy hair personality i think that's just the the, the facts of the matter because everyone is on that line trying to get their head hooked up and i'm on this podcast right now with miss nelly but her professional name is nelia span how are you doing this evening i'm doing good thank you so much for having me of course so i want to start by literally meeting you because of dj b rat and I pulled up to his house and we were talking about, you know, potentially doing something with the radio. And that was my first time actually meeting you that night. And literally, that was the ground floor of the Loud Pack show. And little that I know that she was the person in demand, you know, to do hair. I didn't have none, but I'm like, oh, snap. So I've seen the work and whatnot, people getting their hair done and things like that. But, you know... Starting from there and to see the progression where you are now is beyond amazing. So I just want to start this entire episode by giving you your just due and your flowers because we've come a long way from that apartment. <laughs> no, straight up. <laughs> it's, it's been a long, kind of wild journey, but uh, forever grateful. You know, to you, I can appreciate the process and what it took to get from there to where I'm at now and, and know that I, I'm still on that journey, still growing. Definitely. So I met you in Muncie and explain to me like how you just, okay, I'm going to take this hair thing serious because at one point in time, I feel like every entrepreneur does something, you know, as as a side hustle. But when you decided to not just make it a side hustle, but the main revenue generator for yourself and your son. So really, you know, hair has been my passion since forever you know I got my first mannequin hair when I was eight years old so I've always been dibbling and dabbling in hair beauty organizations and doing stuff at school I had made a decision when I was in high school that I was going to go to Ball State for the entrepreneurship program just so that I could write a business plan on how to open up a salon in Dallas Texas so I, I was already um, really focused on that idea when I was there um, I, I think entrepreneurs a lot of us will sometimes go astray, whether it's intentional or not. And so there was a, a few years where I thought, well, maybe I'll just die down as a side hustle and stay in corporate. Um, but after a few years and I felt like I was becoming stagnant after I graduated, I thought, you know, I'm getting up every morning. I make pretty good money, but I'm not excited. And I, I wanted to wake up excited to do what I wanted to do. So I said, you know what, it's, it's time to go. So that, along with some other things that was kind of going on in my personal life, I decided, you know, a new atmosphere, a new environment, new surroundings, I thought would have been the best thing for me. And so I just packed up what I could fit in my car, came to Dallas and said, let me start this thing over. And um, I, I can honestly say as hard and as difficult as that decision was, it was the very best decision for me to make because everything just like fell into place, you know, and it's been, what, six years now. And I went from... Down here, coming down here with nothing to a full-blown career, and I'm just, I'm really happy and excited to get up and do what I love to do every day. All right, so getting to Dallas, Texas, it seems like you already have the vision and where you want it to be. Why Dallas? 
Well, so being in Indiana, that was the only place I would travel to when I was a kid because I had family out here. So quite frankly, I didn't know. I, I don't want to say I didn't know that, I, you know, there was other places in the world. Of course, I knew that. But, you know, that's what I knew to be a new life outside of Indiana. So, um, you know, just knowing that, having some familiarity with Dallas. And then I, I didn't necessarily want to go somewhere blind when I had a minor with me. Now, if I didn't have my son, I probably would have went somewhere totally random. You know, I, I could totally see myself going out to L.A., you know, by myself. But I, I had a minor and I thought, let me go somewhere that's familiar to me, where I have some kind of a support system down here in case I need a little bit of guidance. And, and so Dallas was a pick for me. Okay, so from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you probably had your base in Indiana while you're at Ball State. And then you shift gears to Dallas. Walk me through that experience of just kind of being like, okay, well, I got family here, but a lot of people may not know what I'm doing. A lot of people may not recognize who I am outside of my immediate circle. How do you translate just starting from the foundation of you being a hairstylist and hair kind of sewer to where you are now? Like, how did that transition transpire? So when I moved to Dallas, I didn't have an Instagram page, not a professional one anyway. I had about, I think, 300 friends on Facebook. So I called um, a few people that I knew and asked them, you know, can I can I do your hair? And at the time, I was really into cut and color. And, you know, I quickly realized people were like, oh, cut and color, that's like a permanent thing. I don't know if I want someone I don't know doing that. And I thought, well, I've always been braiding. You know, braiding has always been fun, but I never took it super serious um, in particular. So I said, well, let me, you know, do some braids. I called a couple of family members, a couple of friends, did some braids, took some pictures on a disposable camera. And I thought, let's see what happens. And so I asked them, hey, once, you know, I get these pictures back and you guys post these pictures or anything about social media like that. And I think and what I really appreciate is down in the South, you know, women getting their hair done and little girls keeping their hair done, that is a big priority. As opposed to in Indiana, it's, it's like a luxury. So word quickly spread, hey, there's a new braider, there's a new girl here, she's doing braids, she's doing some deals right now, trying to get her name out, and that just quickly spread. But then I started getting a lot of feedback, too, on my level of professionalism because I was I was traveling. I had a travel case, and every day after my 9 to 5, I would pack my son's bag, and I would, you know, my one or two hair appointments and travel to them for a gas fee, and I would do their hair. And word of mouth started spreading, and then there was a picture that of a ponytail that started making its rounds in the Facebook groups and stuff. And so just word of mouth and, and Facebook really helped me take off. Um, but I think that and just just my level of professionalism in terms of keeping my appointments, communication was professional, and just how I handle my business was something that a lot of people said they hadn't experienced good business like that. And I think that helped me out a lot, too, to where I was able to open up a mini salon suite continue building clientele from there. Demand got so big, I thought, okay, I've got to give up the job because I don't have enough hours in the day. Finally worked up the nerve to quit the job. As soon as I quit the job and said, okay, this is my only income, every which way that I could think of to market myself and learning everything I could about social media and how to promote and push myself out there, it was an effort, you know, that I had never found in myself to, to put, you know, to push to get myself out there, but it worked. It worked. I just stayed consistent and I stayed persistent on getting my name out there. And my clients, they did me right. You know, they kept sharing and spreading the word, spreading my name, and it continued to grow and build from there. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, like, because doing all this is extensive. And I know you gave us the Cliff Notes version of it, but you were doing this all on your own. Or did you have a team? Did you have to hire an assistant? Like, how are you really taking it to the next level, especially in your social media presence? Oh, no, no assistant. I I couldn't afford that. So it was throughout the day, like, like, let's say my nine to five before I quit, you know, it was on my break times. I'm researching and I'm on Facebook and groups and I'm on my phone responding to all these messages and you know working through my clients that way every bathroom break I could get I would run outside where I could catch a signal to check messages and continue to share post uh, pictures respond to messages and stuff um, would get off work and that's all I was doing was on the phone and on my computer just you know just pushing just every group every new group I could find every post um, where someone's asking can someone do this you know is there a braider available for this or that and I'm, I was just pushing you know what I mean I didn't have a chance to really sit down and kind of relax it's, it's just just that grind I think for maybe a good year and I mean don't get me wrong I, I grind like crazy now but for a good year I don't even think I knew what sleep was because if I wasn't behind a chair doing someone's hair I was definitely working on the business part of my business and I still had to go to work to my nine to five to pay the bills I still had to take care of my son so um you know, it was just hard work, just this hard grind. I mean, I couldn't afford to go to bed at 9, 10 o'clock at night and worry about it the next day. I was up every waking moment and found every opportunity I could, even if it was three minutes here, four minutes there, to, you know, to learn new stuff on social media. How do I run this Instagram page? How do I, you know, do this, do that? You know, how do I run ads? But I, I put in that work. I mean, that's what it took. And I guess right now is what I'm getting from your story is that you really had to... Sh- really trust your struggle how much faith do you have in your struggle because even though you know you had the the nine to five you had the security it's more so like i'm trying to make the shift and i gotta make sure i'm accessible people know who i am people see the product and you're doing that by yourself but at the same time like you say you're sacrificing the sleep you're sacrificing time you could have your son just like spending time like that but it was all about the bigger picture if i'm correct right I tell people when you want something bad enough, you're going to make it happen. And when you don't, you'll, you'll find an excuse. I mean, I think that's a simple theory that applies to any and everything. I wanted it bad enough. That's what I wanted. And I found myself, even though I was tired, I found excitement and joy in what I was doing. And I really felt good with the feedback that I was getting. And I thought, you know, this was my natural born talent. I've known this since I was a little girl. So I was going to make a way for myself. This is a priority for women down here. There's there's room for me. And if, if nobody wants to give me a seat at the table, I'm going to make a, a seat at the table for me. But I know I can make it. And so, you know, when your mind is in that place of I want it so bad, you find a way to make it happen. You find an opportunity or you make opportunities somewhere, somehow. And so my, my faith was just I was there. And, and I've told people because it, there was it came to a point, you know, I had some people that were like, you really struggling and, and I mean when I say struggling I had to go and donate plasma sometimes just to make sure I had enough gas money you know to, to make sure I was making it like it was tough and, and people would ask you know you know your mom's back at home maybe you should go back home and you know that way you got some help and I thought as hard as this is never once have I actually contemplated going back to Indiana mm. you know it was just set in my mind I'm going to make it this is where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to make it and I can't quite fell out how I knew that 
aside from maybe that was just God telling me, you are in the right place. You need to trust the process. Because as hard as it was, I never once thought about going back to Indiana. All I could think about was, okay, scrap this, you know, maybe this, this flyer didn't work. Okay, maybe I've got to change some hours at work or something. All I could think about was how do I make the adjustments to make it work? And I did. And it's paid off well for me. And so I said it's, it was a challenging decision. But once I got here and I put in the work, I mean, it's the best decision I've ever made. I've never been this happy, this confident, this financially stable. And I know I wouldn't have found this, you know, this, this sound and peace of mind had I not left and to, you know, to pursue my dream. All right. So what do you do when it comes down to managing going from the career where you probably had the benefits already built in the PTO, things of that nature to becoming the entrepreneur that you are now? Like because you knew you were convicted and like, I know I'm going to do this full time. But of course, there's that limbo and just like, okay, I'm stepping out on faith. I know God's got me, but there's always just like that first step is always the one you just like, all right, am I going to balance? Is my knee going to stay in? How was that feeling for you? Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I was ever crazy nervous. Like, I don't think this is going to work. I mean, that's, that's just my mind and my heart was just so set on, I'll be fine. I mean, I, I remember, you know, like I went and looked at, okay, independent insurance. I know I could, you know, I have the option to pay for insurance out of pocket. Um, never thought maybe I should keep a job just to have it. My mind went straight to how much money do I need to make per month to cover this? Mm. I don't know. I just, I, I have tunnel vision naturally. So it's like when I want something or I see something that I really want, it just, it just goes for it and it doesn't stop till I get it. So I don't think my mind, or I don't think I ever grew super weary of, I don't have that stability there of a nine to five. You know, I just looked at it as, I know I have options to still maintain that stability. Which option do I take? How do I maintain that? How do I do that? Got you. Okay. So now being a mother that is on the go, on demand, like how are you balancing that time along with still making sure that your clients are good. The business still thrives and things of that nature. How are you creating and keeping that balance? It's, it's hard. Um, it's just now starting to become easier. And that's because um, I've grown to a point in my business where I don't have to work um, as hard labor-wise as I did initially to be able to, to keep the income that I like to bring in. Um, but... You know, it was questioned like, are you are you being a good mother? You know, are you being there for your child? You know, your child needs you home sometimes. I had to make that sacrifice. And I've explained to my son, he understands it very well. And I've explained to, you know, my family and friends who questioned, you know, was I putting too much into my business and putting motherhood on the back burner? You know, to be successful and to be great, there are sacrifices to be made. There's no easy way up to the top. There is no way that you can become the absolute best when you do the same thing as everybody else. You have to outwork everybody else. That's in that's in sports, that's in business, that's in school. You don't you can't do the same thing as everybody else and expect to go above and beyond them. So I knew it was gonna require much more of a heavier workload. I knew it was gonna require hours that were not the norm. There have been days where I've literally spent the night at the salon. It was hard. It took a, a few years, and I just had we just had to grind it out. You know, sometimes my son would come up to the salon with me, and in between on breaks, you know, he bring a pillow and a blanket. But we, you know, we spend a little time together between clients, and then boom, I'm back at it. It was hard, but I just kept telling him, you know, trust me on this. 
you know, trust me on this. I'm going to get us to a place where we not cramped in the one bedroom with these two lawn chairs. We're going to get out of this. And, um, and he watched me do it. He watched me do it. Came through hard work and consistency and just staying on the grind. And so now it's to the point where I can choose to work three days a week. I can choose to take off a week off work. And, you know, it's not like, oh, my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the rent this month. You know, I, I have a comfortable savings now. I'm able to go to all of his basketball games. That is now like, listen, I got to be at his, at his games. I got to travel with him. I'm at his practices. So, um, so it is hard, you know, anybody who, who is considering, you know, taking the career full time, but not sure, you know, if they have motherhood and parenthood, you know, also to juggle, there, there's going to be sacrifices to be made. You know, you have to ask yourself, is, you know, how bad do you want it? And that's how bad I wanted it. Got you. That's really insightful. And I know someone listening to this is absolutely going to be like, I got that, that, that definitely probably hit home for a lot of people. As a proprietor, as a owner, um, you decided to step into the teaching realm of what you were doing and created it almost basically another outlet of what you do. So walk me through how you decided like, oh, I can teach people. I can monetize this and create a whole new revenue stream. So the whole classes, like break classes and stuff started to really take shape and form, I think, in just in the industry as a whole. And then, oh, there are other industries where they're offering a lot of different classes. And for me, I'm the type that likes to observe kind of what's going on before I, I just jump out there and do it. And so I observed and I found the problem where there were a lot of people who were teaching but didn't know how to teach. There were also a lot of people I saw who were teaching some, but not all of what they were supposed to be teaching because there was this fear of I see potential in some of these students what if they get better than me or what if you know they get you know a bigger name than me or something so I found that there, that there was a problem with people spending their money thinking they're going to learn something new and just for the most part getting scammed my solution to that was once I was ready so once I had you know I felt like I had taken in enough glory and built in my name to where I could feel comfortable sharing everything that I possibly could in a paid class and not be worried at all on how well someone else's success was, then I was going to step out there and do it. Um, and, and I say that because it's just not fair to someone who's reigning in their glory to say, well, you owe everybody else to teach us because it's enough for everybody or, you know, you should share. You know, reign in your glory and, and take it all in for as long as you want. But then when you are comfortable with sharing that knowledge, sharing that expertise without ripping somebody off and then, you know, go ahead and do that. So I waited until I was comfortable in doing that. And then I also, you know, was able to see how well people were responding to classes. What were they actually looking for? And, you know, I knew I had in my back pocket the entrepreneurship degree and the operations management degree to be able to really touch on the business side of running a business. It's, you know, I don't care how good you are doing hair. If you don't know how to run a business, you're not going to be as successful as you should be because that's, that's half of it. So having that in my back pocket, I went ahead and took on teaching not just technique classes, but also teaching business classes, finance, customer service, just a, a lot of different moving parts and components to successfully running a business, you know, legal structure, um, social media marketing, and, and all of that good stuff. And, you know, being able to share with people, hey, this is in part why my business grew as fast as it did. And people have responded to it really well. They're like, you know what? I'm not getting this kind of information in other classes. Half of this you can learn on YouTube. That's fine. 
but some of this stuff too, I think is really important. You want to be, if you want to be a successful business owner, you want to be a successful hairstylist, braider, makeup artist, whatever, you have to understand the concept of running a business, not just the art and the craft behind it. And so, um, and I enjoy, I enjoy teaching it and knowing that I'm really educated in it, you know, not only my credentials from school, but also my experience. You know, I've been in some shape or form working in the salon since I was a kid. I like to be able to share that because I know I'm really, really knowledgeable. I know I'm not just kind of pulling it out of thin air, but this is real. All right. And in one memory that you have where you were definitely faced with an adverse situation or like an actual problem, what was it and how did you resolve it? In business? Business, life, hair, the whole nine. Um, I feel like I've made so many mistakes. <laughs> and that's in, that's in part, you know, you make mistakes and you, you learn and you get better. But I would say, so I, I made a, uh, a big mistake at one point in sharing some plans that I had, uh, what was going on. I basically spoke on my next step in my career too soon and actually believed that, you know, there were a few people who had some really big names on social media, you know, they were DMing me and stuff and, you know, let's get some information, let's work together. And I was naive in sharing some information. It was as soon as they got the information, they ran off with it. As if it was their plan, their move. And all of a sudden, didn't know who I was anymore. And that's when it became very clear that this industry is cutthroat. You know, the more you go, the more cutthroat it is. And I immediately started to understand why some of the even bigger names in the braid industry, why they don't acknowledge a bunch of other, you know, braiders and stylists online, why they pretty much keep to themselves. And I've kind of taken that on too. It's, it, it cost me and it, it really upset me, but I thought what I've learned out of this whole situation is you definitely can't believe everything that's on social media. You, you really can't. I mean, people post a whole lot of this and that and it's the total opposite. But in, in terms of business, you know, right, like right now, the motto is, oh, you should share, you know, there's enough for everybody. I believe that there's enough for those who work for it. But that said, it's not my job to feed you. It's like I have no problem sharing with you my knowledge, but that is also part of my business. I don't share the game for free just because we're two black women. Respect me and pay me for my time and for my credentials, and I'll give it to you. But, you know, this idea of just give me, give me, give me without me having to work for it, you know, I'm like, I don't get up and take it to the max every day just to give it to you for free. It doesn't work that way. I certainly didn't get it that way. So I've learned, you know, to kind of keep things moving silent, keep things to myself. You know, when there's some accomplishments, great, I'll share that. Every now and then I'll drop some knowledge, you know, what is what it is. But that whole, you know, become best friends with everybody on social media, it is not at all what it seems. And now I will not make that mistake again. All right. So I know you've made a lot of friends in the Dallas area the Houston area, because I think probably one of the first names that I might have recognized in recent memory was someone we hadn't really seen in a while, Mike Jones. And mm -hmm. lo and behold, you braiding him up. Yeah. How did that even come about? So once I had established enough clientele to where I was comfortable knowing, okay, I'm going to be booked for the next two weeks at least, you know, I'm, I've had a consistency in saying book. My goal, the next goal I set for myself was to get a high profile or a celebrity client. And it honestly took me over six months for me to finally 
get someone's attention who would let me braid the hair. I mean, I'm sending emails, I'm DMing, I'm commenting, I'm trying to reach people, and I'm like, I don't know how, so I'm just, you know, trial and error, throwing rocks in the air. I don't know, we'll figure it out. And so, uh, DJ Hollywood Zay from 97.9 The Beat out here, he had posted a flyer, and I saw he had a man bun. I didn't know he had hair. So I said, okay, let me reach out to him. And within like 10 minutes of me sending him a DM, he said, yeah, I'll come in and let you braid my hair. When did you when did you want to do it? I'm like, great. So I set up an appointment, had him come in. And the funny thing was, he came in, the first thing he said was, uh, he said, so what's this really about? Would you want some of those Chris Brown tickets that's coming up? And I thought, <laughs> I mean, that'll be cool and all, but no, that's not what I called you for. I said, listen, um, you know, I like to work out in the rain. I'll keep your hair done and stuff. Um, you know, no charge. What I'd like for you to do, though, is I'd like for you to, you know, make some introductions for me because I'm trying to take my skill set and my brain to the next level. And he was like, wow, okay. So I did his hair. He goes to work that night, and on the air, another radio station was like, man, who did your braids? This is crazy. This is really dope. He was all for it. So he's getting all this love, and then he calls me not even a week later. He said, Mike Jones. I said, who? He said, Mike Jones. <laughs> And I said, wait, wait, what about him? He said, he saw my hair. I want to know, can I bring him in with me tomorrow? And he brought Mike with him. And Mike was like, I love it. I, I want you to braid my hair. And I've been braiding Mike's hair ever since then. Like, he will not go to anybody else. He ain't having it. I'm the only one that, did, you know, touch his hair. But, you know, that was some hard work getting somebody. And all it took was that one person who knew him. And, you know, who was in front of him for me to get Mike. And once I got Mike, then the doors open for other celebrities. I'm glad you're bringing it up because I definitely got to bring up someone recent who had just had their all-star season. It's a little different out in New York. Julius Randle also is a client. That's right. So how That's did right. that connection come about? So Julius is actually from Dallas. Uh, he lives in New York during the season. And so he was here in Dallas. Of course, with the pandemic going on, he was here a little bit longer because they weren't playing. And... um out of the blue, I got a DM from him, and he said, I know it's last minute, but you think it's possible you can braid my hair to see? And I looked, I thought, Julius Randle, no way. You want to play for the Lakers? And so I, before I even responded, I showed my son, I said, hey, you know who this is? And he looked, he said, oh my, that's Julius Randle. You got to have that DM. <laughs> so, and I was getting ready to purge some crawfish so I could do a seafood bowl. I was just like, you know, just one of those days, and I thought, well, yeah. He said, yeah, I had somebody who was going to braid my hair, but she stood me up. I don't know what happened. And so I said, well, no worries. I said, I'll be there if you can give me about an hour and a half. And went out there, had my travel case. You know, I just there's a certain way I approach all of my big clients whenever I travel to them. And been braiding his hair ever since. And he does have another braider in between time now just because practice, game schedule, traveling, and you know, all of that, that gets to be a lot during the season. But for some of the games, the all-star and all that is, yeah, Julius, he's in my chair. I'm, I'm at his house. One of his guys is doing his hair. So, so this yeah. man makes an all-star game this year. He drops like 40 in Atlanta. I personally have a problem with that because I don't need you doing his hair this good. And I told you this. <laughs> like, I don't need him, you know, destroying my hawks like that. But um, I think that's incredible. And that's just really about being able to answer the call and being someone that's recognized in what you're doing and on a massive scale, like, I don't think that it's by accident or by chance. Like, it's destiny and purpose. Like, you're amazing at what you do. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right, so before we wrap up, like, shout out to everyone that definitely listens in all across the country and worldwide. So how can they possibly get booked and styled by you? That's that's the real question. Right. <laughs> so it's funny that you ask that because I'm, like, working on a way to – I don't, know if, well, I don't know if there's even a way to make it any easier for people to get in. The website is, is always up, braidsbymissnelly.com. I open up each month, you know, so on the 25th at 8 a.m., the following month opens. So on the 25th of this month, the month of May will open, and what's available is open to the public to book. But I, at least half of the month, in terms of the number of days, are already closed because I have several celebrity clients, you know, pro- professional athletes, their wives, reality tv stars julius calls if he calls me i pretty much have to drop what i'm doing to get to him mm-hmm. and, and so there's only about two maybe three days a week that's open to the public that may mean you know prices increase even more at some point because the higher the demand the higher the price but as of right now you know go to braids by you hit that book link and hopefully something shows available if it's not you got to kind of check at your own you know convenience you know whenever you can as much as you want to see if there's something available that pops open for you. All right, and I do want to make sure I mention, like, you actually wrote a book in the past few years, and I definitely want to make sure we plug that because I don't want to have you on a platform like this, and I make sure we hit everything. So tell me about what the inspiration was behind the book and what made you say, okay, I need to really do this. Because we all have, everyone has a story, but getting to that point of actual executing and putting out the story, how did you get to that mm-hmm. point? So the book was actually like 100% on my personal life. So, you know, me and my son's father, there's a 14-year rocky relationship there. And at the end of it, it was like a light switch. You know, he just totally flipped and changed. And there was physical abuse involving my son. There was a lot of uh, infidelity and mental abuse with me. And that was a large part of the reason that I also left Indiana. That I, I needed to get away. And so once I got out to Dallas and... I realized this isn't someone I will probably talk to again. I, I just don't see that happening. I still needed to kind of have that conversation, I guess, to get some kind of closure to help me move forward. I, there was no way for me to connect with him to have any kind of conversation. You know, it's, it, it's been six years, and I still, we still have not seen or heard from him, not two words. So me writing the book was actually the best way for me to let out my side of the story, how I felt, and what position it put me in. And I know that it got back to him. So it's like my way of having that conversation with him without having a conversation with him. And that generated revenue. You know, the money from book sales goes to my son. But it helped me heal. You know, he never afforded me the opportunity to talk. So I decided I'm, I'm going to talk loud and clear so you can hear me. And if that meant the world was going to hear me too, then so be it. And, and that's what happened. But in writing that, once I got all of that out, I really think that helped me also be able to look forward to what kind of life I can make for myself and how, you know, to be able to raise my son by myself and not be so stuck on what happened. Why did this happen? You know, and so now I can go days now without thinking about it. You know, I'm able to talk about in detail, even the things that happened and not crack up, you know, or start to cry or anything. It's like, I don't even think about it anymore. I've been able to move forward a lot and and writing that book. It really helped. And that's incredible. And I definitely appreciate you going into detail and let them know what the book is called and how they can get it. So the book is titled, um, But Still I Rise. You can go to Amazon. You can go to the Amazon book 
and you can purchase it for a hard copy. You can also purchase a Kindle version of the book. All right, and I definitely want to make sure I, I acknowledge the man in your life, your son. What is he up to? How old is he now? Like, it's it's been a while. I know, my baby. We were just talking about his 13th birthday, you know, how we're going to celebrate it next month. But he's 12. He'll be an official teenager here pretty soon. He is a basketball player. You know, ball is life. So, uh, you know, we first moved out here to Dallas. He picked up the basketball with some friends of his. I think in, I think he was in third grade maybe when he started here. And um, he hasn't put the basketball down since. And the funny thing is most of those friends that he was in elementary school with, he's on the basketball team with them now. You know, their AAU team and basketball team at school and stuff. And so he travels um, – he travels different states to play, but you know it's it's all it's all basketball. Um, I always I push for you know good grades, straight A's in school. You know, and I know that you can get an A. I won't accept anything less. So he's an honor student, straight A's, honors classes. You know, head in the books. And when he's not studying, he's got a ball in his hand. You know, he's just really focused. He wants to go to the NBA. You know, let's let's do what it takes to get him there. You know, so. So that's 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 what that's what goes on in our house, you know. If I'm not behind the chair, if I'm not doing something with business, I'm in a basketball gym where I'm, you know, with him with his trainer and you know, basketball. <laughs> that's what's up. Well, this has been another episode of What Do I Do Now. Thank you for joining the platform. This has been an incredible conversation. I hope to have another one soon. Um, just make sure you just like leave one or two like edges of Julius Randle's hair out when he plays the Hawks. I just I don't need him to light us up no more. But I'll see more. what I can do. Hey, that's all I can ask for. Alright, I will see y'all back here next Monday for another episode of What Do I Do Now?